right, my friends. Well, welcome back to Trekology. Here we are yet again. Thank you for joining us, as always. If you do join us always, I don't know, really. I mean, I just see that the number of people, I don't know who you people are. But let's hope that we all know each other by now, uh, because my name is Jeff, and with me always is Greg. Hey, Greg. Hey, hello. And with us this time is a very special guest, my lovely wife, Judy. Hi, Judy. Hello. Uh, how are you doing? Oh, fine. Thank Excellent. you. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, you're literally in the other room for me right now, so uh, we were just talking. But nonetheless, one would hope that's what happens in this household. Uh, how are you doing, Greg? Because you're in a different household than we are. <laughs> <laughs> I am in a different household. Usually it's me and you, Jeff, in the same house. Right. Well, but, no, but usually the last couple of times. The last couple of times. Yes. I feel kind of lonely today. I'm. Yeah. The baby doesn't. I think you are chewing gold, my friend. You got a baby nearby. This is your sweet spot, I think. That that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I I but do wonder. Off to the rabbits. Yes, that's true. That's true. I, I I do wonder. Yeah. Do they do they reach a certain age? Is there going to be a point where your your children reach a certain age and you you just get the baby pangs again and you're like. We gotta find ourselves another baby. Uh, as soon as she's not a baby anymore. Yeah, then you're gonna you're gonna go look for another one. Okay. Right. That's fair. I'll just That's snatch fair. one off. The yes. Look, yes. Look no, look I probably one. shouldn't say that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't say that. Well, and if there's babies on the streets, though, go snatch them because there shouldn't be babies on the streets <laughs> unless they're with other people. You know, that's okay. It has come up before about how some of my insecurities from my childhood I pass on to my children or I'm very cognizant that my children may be, be behaving that way so anyway when I dropped my son off at school today uh, there was a moment so he actually saw your son Greg uh, doing the like walk around the circle sort of a thingy yeah your son and his best buddy went running off and AJ was just left standing there and that oh. was my moment of oh here it is like he's gonna break down crying like i would always do and he's just like he's experiencing loneliness uh because that's what i would do uh but thankfully my son then after that pause whatever that pause was where he just gets left behind he goes chasing after and i was just kind of like oh that's okay so he is not me Hallelujah. I don't know. Did he get that from you, Judy? Were you the more like, oh, you're not going to come with, you are like, you're leaving me behind? Well, I'm chasing after you. Mm, no, I feel like I would just do my own thing mm. or I was like gathering my own followers. Mm. Well, that is, that is our son then too. Yeah, he is definitely yeah. in his own little world. So yeah, he does. He does seem like he likes to do his own thing Yeah, and, and try to gather followers as much as he can. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> or he doesn't really care. You're going to follow him or not. He's just going to go off and he's going to do his thing. And to be honest, sometimes if he has followers, he doesn't want followers. He's like, leave me alone. I'm doing my own thing. So, <laughs> Your son seems very secure in himself. Uh, is that what it is? I don't know. I, yeah. It's a, it's an interesting study watching these other humans develop right in front of us that uh, it are, is. are not us. And as much as we want to pretend that they are, or maybe I want to pretend that they are, and just apply the same rules um, it's not always terribly effective. It is not. That is definitely true. Mm. So how about you guys? Any lessons in parenting that came up this week? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly I just was thinking like, wow, I'm doing a really bad job at this. So I'm not uh, sure if that's a lesson. Yeah. Survival. Survival does seem to be a, a, a key goal. We all survived this week. Okay, here's something. 
our we have a fig tree in the backyard and it produces a ton of figs all at once so what we have to do is we have to do something with them while we have them give them away or make something you can only give away so many figs. <laughs> People aren't really into fresh figs. Right? So what I usually do is I I uh I cook them down and I turn them into like a jam and uh I do I make different things with it. This year I had my son come out with me to the tree to help me harvest them with the clippers and everything. And they're pretty sharp. Trusted him with that. Yeah. That went a long way. We brought in all the figs. And I showed them how to chop them and prepare them using like real knives and stuff. Okay. And I was so, I, 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 usually this is not something I do. Hmm. I'd rather just do it myself. So I know that's being done correctly. Right. And, and also I, I try to take things out of my son's life that might cause problems. Sure. For example, a sharp knife. Yep. yep. But I, you know, I trusted him with this. I thought this kid, he, you know, he's six years old. He's, uh, he's just about old enough. Hmm. So I gave him the knife, showed him how to chop, showed, you know, helped him hand over hand for the first couple and then let him go at it. And he did such a good job. Hmm. Now, last night at like eight o'clock, he says, can we go pick more figs and cut them? <laughs> well, no, it's a little late, kiddo. But yeah. very happy about how all that turned out. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not sure what the lesson is. Well, I mean, like that, and I know that's <laughs> something that, that uh, Judy, you've taken uh, a lot of care in, because like, you enjoy cooking and baking, uh, and you do try and involve the kids. And, and it's not always done perfectly, but for me, I think that's a big – I don't recall that ever happening when I was growing up in my household. Uh, and that, I think that's a really, I mean, again, the kids feel important. This is something mom and dad does and I'm able to do it. Like that's a big, that's a big deal. Like the buy-in, I think. Um, plus, yeah, just like the empowerment, like they, they like have this like, wow, I was able to do this. And I think that's, that's a big thing. Yeah. I think the lesson was that you learned what, your son is capable of now that he's a little older and it's yeah, like, okay, now he can true. follow instructions to handle a knife correctly. And he learned a lesson too, that he can be, he can help in that way. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I know for me, true. like when I, like the last time I baked with the kids, um, I have a scale. I showed our son how to use it. Cause I figured he would like that. He likes numbers and stuff. So, and it's kind of easier to bake with a scale than it is to do like measuring cups. And he loved it. Like afterwards he was just weighing everything. So it was like, okay. Oh, right. So, um, so that was like, oh yeah, like they're, you know, they're getting bigger. Our sons are the same age. So, um, it's like, oh, you know, you're still a little kid, but actually you can do these things. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just finished uh, this morning while my baby was sleeping and I was eating breakfast, I was watching The Simpsons and I'm going through the first season right now. Ooh, and, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, I did, well, that's a different podcast. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I was watching the first uh, episode with uh, Sideshow Bob yeah. where he frames Krusty. And at the end, he's, he, as he's being arrested, he yells out uh, something like, treat children as equals. <laughs> <laughs> 
They understand more than you think. <laughs> I was thinking of you, Jeff. There you go. <laughs> that was, I think that was your point last last uh, episode. That's true. Or the one where I was saying, like, we need more children pastors. Yeah. Yeah. Which I keep thinking about one. that. I'm not going to say that in any <laughs> interviews per se, but I'm going to think about it definitely at those times. So, uh, less, yeah, pointing fingers. It's like but... the office where he says, if babies were presidents. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because the, the one thing I was thinking in reflecting back on this season uh, that, I, that I guess I had never thought about is that we don't really reflect back on past episodes terribly often. Uh, sometimes we'll bring it up like in conversation, but to be like, hey, you know, I was thinking about, I don't know for you, Greg, I mean, I know you don't really listen or ever listen to what we previously recorded. <laughs> um, but like for me, I do. And, and so I'll go back and there's been certain things where uh i'll be like yeah you know what i never really uh felt like we completed that thought or something like that and uh like i know i was thinking for this previous episode uh which maybe we talked about when uh we got together at your house uh, this weekend uh it was before that conversation about children or our future and all of that and we were talking about how um if my thought that adults seem to not interact with children sometimes because they resent that part of themselves or they look back on their own past and they're like, oh, I was such a like an idiot. Like and, and I don't want to think about that. So it, it struggles. Um, and that your response, uh, if I recall, I think what your response was, was that you did not really enjoy being a child, but right. you enjoy working with children. So for you, right. it's not the same as my experience. No. Okay. No, I, I, I do love working with children. Yeah. Uh, I love them up until about the time that they're in fifth grade. <laughs> and then I'll pass them off. Yeah. But it's, you know, I, I, as a child, as a middle schooler, as a teenager, yeah. I just could not wait to grow up. Interesting. And I have never looked back. Huh. I guess I didn't, Me, I didn't put that together last episode, um, that, that that's what you were conveying. Uh, but it is interesting that you just said you love children until fifth grade. And that you right. said fifth grade is where you didn't enjoy being a child anymore. So <laughs> I, I'd love to po poke, poke through that a little bit more in a, in a future episode, perhaps, uh, or just when we're getting coffee or something like that. Uh, but the <laughs> other one that I did that, that, that struck me that we were talking about, because in last episode we were talking about Dr. Mbanga and how, you know, his, his, uh, problematic choices and lifestyle and whatever we want to say. Um, but the one thing that we didn't talk about that struck me was one. So, doc, you know, obviously Dr. Mbenga is inspired by the, the guy, the character that showed up in like two episodes of the original series right. uh, as a fill in. Cause DeForest Kelly was not available, but it's, it's the fascinating thing is that they chose a black actor to play a doctor and that was just kind of like, yeah, that's just what we do. Like, that kind of seems like that would have been a big deal in the 60s. Like, I don't know how many black doctors there were on television that we don't ever, I don't know, we never talk about the two-episode cameo of Dr. Mbenga, other than maybe that's why they chose him uh, for, for Strange New Worlds. You know, I would think that that would be a purposeful decision on the part of the, the mm. casting director for, uh, you know, the original series to cast a, a black doctor. Uhura's position speaks to the their idea of race there, mm. you know, and, as does having a white doctor as the main actor, mm. I think. You know, and, and that that 
I think that tension that they had still Interesting. during that time. Well, I think with Uhura too, is that she, she fit into the, well, what's whatever the opposite of a sweet spot is, is that she, I, I would say it's maybe, well, I, I don't know, equal parts, the fact that she was black and that she was a woman. And so for a woman to be essentially like the receptionist or whatever, right. that kind of seems like that's the way that they thought back in those yeah. days. And to have like, oh, no, we're going to have a woman be the captain, because that was the thing too. Remember in the pilot, number one was a woman, the first officer. And I get right. the feeling that that uh, NBC was kind of like, whoa, no, 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 no. That's uh, let's have the pointy-eared guy. Like we we can we can handle that one instead. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's that's true. I that's that's where they're that's where they were going with this. I would have liked to be in the in the room when they were looking sure. at at actors for Doctor Mbenga. Yeah. Yeah. And why he never. Yeah, made another. I mean, why would you need two main doctors? I guess is the right. other part too. Once you have Mbenga, I mean, I always consider. I always just thought that Mbenga was the night shift doctor, right. and I'm sure that's yeah, that's or the one that takes over while Bones <laughs> is like doing whatever the heck he's doing. That's right. not being a doctor. Right. Well, and I mean, if something bad happens, if Bones is in surgery and somebody shows up with a broken arm, where do they go? They send him to the nurse. Maybe I don't know. You have to do two surgeries at the same time. Judy, had you seen either of those episodes with Dr. Mbenga in the original series? No, I haven't seen those. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd even... Because he's not a prominent character in those episodes. He's not. He's just... It's like literally just a cameo. We need the doctor to, to do something. <clears throat> so uh, before we move on, Judy, any thoughts like as far as... Because that's what we were wrestling with, Dr. Mbenga. Uh, and now, because you've watched the entire... Well, we've watched the entire second season... And I was telling Greg, I feel like Dr. Mbenga has become a more, not just a more complicated character, I think I'm liking him less and less. And that's a shame, like I didn't want to not like him, but I don't know, it just feels like the, the, the choices that he's making and the kind of person that he is, I'm just like, I don't know, It's uh, I, I'm a little soured on him. Well, I feel like they just gave him like kind of the worst backstory of anybody <laughs> where... Like he's got this like war, um, like war background, and then you find out he's like this. You know, he committed like atrocities, basically. That's you know secret. And then he's got the daughter who's sick, and he can't cure her. And then he you know leaves her somewhere, and it's kind of just like I don't know. I don't think that they gave him like a great backstory, so that. I don't know. Like, it just feels like, yeah, they threw all the worst things at the character. So, um, yeah. So, I, I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because he has a very different energy, I would say, too, as an actor than a lot of the other characters. Uh, that They tend to be a lot more um, expressive, and he's a little bit more reserved. Uh, I've seen, like, I don't even know that we've seen anger from him. And maybe that's the whole point, is that, uh, yeah, like, he's expressed his anger before, uh, and that did not go well. And so, um, yeah. I mean, I, you know, in a conflicted character, I'm, I'm fine with a conflicted character, but just all of that fitting together. Um, yeah, and, and I guess we did talk about that uh, previous in a previous episode, Greg, just about how what they're going to do uh, as the show progresses towards the original series uh, and they have, right. there's no rush. They got plenty of time. If anything, the faster they move, the the tighter the crunch it's going to make. They kind of right. have to stretch it out. As soon as they, you know, 
uh, I mean, already introducing Kirk uh, is kind of like, okay, but that doesn't necessarily put too much of a crunch on it, but, you know, you've kind of put that bug in people's ears. Yeah. And um, as soon as you promote, you know, Spock to first officer, there's no going back. So uh, there's, yeah, a couple of different um, uh, dynamics at work, I guess. But, yeah, figuring out what's going to happen to Dr. Mbenga I think is interesting. Well, I thought yeah. them announcing, or not announcing, but when Kirk said that, uh, what's her name was pregnant. Then to me, that's oh, like yeah. okay, we have a clear timeline. Yeah. of like right. how much time there is because we know. I mean, unless they're like I don't know, gonna do something weird with that. But yeah, yeah. it's like that's okay, true. well, that's the timeline right there. Yeah. Although it is, it's a little fuzzy. I don't think they ever announced how old David is in uh, Wrath of Khan. Yeah, I was trying to figure that out. Yeah. So because I'm, I'm not sure if she should bit. be pregnant yet. But, well, yeah, yeah, and the uh, again, if if we're gonna say he's in his like mid twenties or even late twenties, I mean, he's he's a high level scientist, so he's clearly like been through school. He's not a kid. He's not old. He's you know, not he's old. he's still he's like also, a young guy. Yeah, yeah. He's also the son of the lead scientist there. Right, so. but that doesn't necessarily at at a top secret like high like whatever sort of thing. You don't become the assistant by just you know. Oh, my son's around. He's just going to, like, here, do all these calculations. Like, Man, this isn't Star Wars. That's what they do in Star Wars. <laughs> but that's another story. So along those lines, uh, let's – let's no, not along those lines. That's just – that's my d- default connector. But uh, I did want to dive in uh, to this episode because we are tackling – uh, the second to last episode of the season, uh, popularly known as the musical episode. And that did seem appropriate. One, as our biggest fan of uh, Strange New Worlds, I did have Judy pick our episode. And two, as our resident expert in musicals, it did seem like that's the, the perfect one. So, um, and then Greg, you got to watch the episode, I assume? Yep. Okay, but you still hadn't seen the rest of season two, so this was your only episode? Yep. yep. Gotcha. Okay. So before we get into any specific spoilers, anything in this episode that you were like, huh? Or did you just look up any answers for yourself? No, I, I mean, it, it's the the last time on Star Trek stuff oh, was, okay. was more than enough. That helps. I, I mean, just everybody's having relationship problems. Yes. Oh, that's right. Because <laughs> you didn't even see the La'an... Where she, uh, she met all al- no the time Kirk. travel episode no nope. okay I haven't seen okay it. but I, I, I do right. know what happened so okay and I think yeah. this episode explained it well enough I I do think yeah. like as almost a self-contained episode I think this works pretty well like I feel like it explains just about everything where it's just kind of like wait Spock and Chapel are together and I feel like they explain that oh they're having problems yeah. and they explain that right yeah so I thought I thought it was pretty easy to to catch up with i mean cool. and not this this episode and most musical episodes are not real heavy on like most musical episodes well let what are we what are we comparing this to let's talk about that <laughs> okay well before we because, get to that then uh so your first uh your because you had never seen this episode before so what was your first like the feelings you got coming out of this episode last episode we were talking about how Strange New Worlds can pretty much do what they want <laughs> right. right now. <laughs> so they did that. They did what they wanted. I hope it's out of their system now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's what I wanted to get. 
I, I was talking to my wife when we were watching it. I was yeah. saying, you know, the, the first song, that was pretty good. The last song was pretty good. All the songs <laughs> in the middle were just not good. And there's so many talented songwriters out there. There's so many mm. talented musicians. Hire some. If you're going to do a musical episode, hire some because there are good examples of musical episodes. And the one that the one that we kept coming back to was uh, Once More with Feeling, the Buffy musical episode. Oh, okay. Have Have you seen that? I haven't. Judy? No, I haven't seen any Buffy. Okay, first of all, that's a major oversight in your life, <laughs> and you should recognize that <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> Buffy is fantastic. The the Buffy musical episode is amazing. This the the it's all by the music and um, lyrics are all by Joss Whedon, and it is it, it's just fantastic. The the okay. the actual singing is pretty good. The um the music is great. The, the uh, dance numbers are great. It it works so well. So I was thinking about that one. And of course, Jeff, I'm sure you were comparing it to the musical episode of Scrubs. Hmm. How do you feel about the Scrubs musical episode? Well, as, as I'm thinking about it now, and it's funny, I just listened to the Scrubs podcast this morning. Um, I didn't think about it that way just because this is such a different show than yeah, Scrubs. Yeah, that's fair. Um, again, this uh, the more and more I watch Strange New Worlds, the more I compare it to Fringe, where Fringe never yeah. did a musical episode that I recall. But I could see them doing Didn't one, they? and and same thing with Buffy. Like it, Buffy and Fringe, I think are great comparisons because both of them kind of didn't take themselves too seriously. They could do like an off the off the wall sort of like wackadoo sort of a thing. Even uh, uh, even X Files, X Files kind of developed that thing where yeah, they would do they like a, a quote unquote silly episode. Um, Scrubs is a is a comedy, so it's kind of like they're all silly episodes. Um, the funny thing is that you talk about the musical episode. So the musical episode is intentionally silly, like over the top silly. They're doing songs about, you know, everything comes down to poop and the, uh, bro or what's it? Uh, um, guy love and all, all that. That's supposed to be ridiculous for me. I think the best they did was one of my favorite episodes. Uh, what is it called? My new philosophy, I think, which is when the one gal is dying and she has, she says at one point, she says, like, I wonder what it's like to die. And uh, JD has this, like, well, I think it's going to be, like, a lot of screaming and running around. Like, that's the last moments in, in your mind or whatever. And uh, the gal who's dying, she says, like, I think it would be like a Broadway musical where it's just, like, the, the showstopper ending. Like, the, 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 you know, everybody's dressed to the nines and stuff like that. And so at the end of the episode when she dies, that's jd's fantasy is that she dies uh -huh. in a broadway musical and that is oh that's just such a spectacular scene because they do it right and it's just like all these different characters are having their sort of stuff like that so anyway that that for me is a is a uh poignant and meaningful musical episode i don't know that there are those to compare it to and i don't think that was their goal with this one i think you're right this was a relatively uh, uh silly. I, I guess we can say silly. Um, uh, the the one thing that I do find, especially rewatching it this time, that I find fascinating is that apparently I find this really hard to believe, 
but apparently this is all them. These are all their singing yeah, voices. Yeah, I looked it up. Right? Now, the one, and this is what Judy brought up, that, that, that we refuse to believe is Carol Kane. It's like, no way she sounds like that. Like, how could she have that <laughs> singing voice at this point? That's the one that seems like, but maybe they just ignored that, and they said, well, all the, the main people, because they were saying, too, what's his name? Ethan, Pe or what's yeah. his name? Yeah, who's Spock. They were mm -hmm. amazed. They're like, "Dang, this guy can sing!" And yeah. my guess is they already knew uh, uh, the, the girl, the gal that plays Uhura, like because she kind of carried it. Um, She'd yeah. been in Broadway, exactly. I'm pretty sure. She must have been. And the same thing. Apparently, so had Rebecca Romaine. I didn't know that, but apparently she? she's known wow. for singing. Like that's a, a thing. Yeah, that she, she had does. a. She has a beautiful voice. Right. Right. So, and the the rest of them, like I think they carry it off. Uh, yeah. Uh, I do feel like uh, uh, Anson Mount has a, uh, I don't know, he doesn't sound like he's used to singing because he, he got like an accent at some point while he was singing, and that was a little... <laughs> but hey, for people that are not used to singing, like they pulled that off surprisingly well. You know, I, I thought that his his singing voice was perfect for his role. Hmm. And this it, it, it's not like great, but it is perfect for his role here. Judy, how about you? What were you? Now you've gotten to see it twice. What are some of your feelings? Again, whether you're comparing this to a musical episode or to another Star Trek episode. Right. Well, first there was a musical episode of Fringe, okay. so that does exist. Okay. There was. Yes, I looked it up because I'm like, I feel like there was. It wasn't like as musical as this episode was. Like, not everyone sang, but there was an episode where they're like. They're telling a story to like a kid and then they're singing, whatever. Okay. So, um, I, yeah, I just looked it up and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think for me, like, yeah, when we were watching it, I didn't know there had been a musical episode. I guess, Jeff, you had been made aware of that or whatever. But they started singing and I was like, ooh, <laughs> I like this. Because I generally like musicals, and for a frame of reference, I have a master's degree in film, TV, and media, and I wrote my thesis on the musical genre and examining how the genre works and how it mixes with um, can mix with other genres. So this was an interesting study for me, actually, because when you're talking about, like, I don't know about Buffy, but at least with, like, Scrubs, like, one of the... One of the ways that Scrubs worked was that there was a fantasy element to the show. And so they'd already established right, that, that right. anything can happen because this is JD's mind. Like, so now he's, you know, being thrown off the building or now he's, you know, in the future married or, you know, now he, now he's, he's Han Solo or whatever it is. Like, right. um, like anything can happen. So when you just say, okay, now everyone's singing, it's like, yeah, that that works because that's just how the reality of this show works. I think it's a little tougher to bring the musical genre into what is supposed to be a science fiction show. And I think even when every time we watched it, Jeff, you were like, the science is terrible. Like, <laughs> like it, it, it so is very true. kind of like, oh, yeah, it's happening because of this. And it's like, wait, what? Like, what? No, that that doesn't really makes sense scientifically but it's kind of like they needed a way to say like why does this work in our world 
And it's because we created a new reality where this is what happens. And it's kind of like, okay, once you say you're in a musical, then yeah, like you're going to sing and you're going to dance and you're going to harmonize and it's just going to work. And I was kind of like, okay, like I'm just going to buy that because I like musicals and that's how musical works. Like turn on a random Hollywood musical. It's like, guess what? We're all singing. And it's like, (laughs) okay, like that's what's happening. And I, I did appreciate the way they kind of explained like how the musical genre works when they're explaining the science behind it. And like, well, in musicals, people sing when they are feeling emotional or like there's, there's a reason behind it, like an emotional reason or an interpersonal reason. And that's, that's true. Like that's a big part of the, like the operational kind of understanding of musicals. Like, yeah, you're going to sing when you fall in love. You're going to sing when you break up. Like, like that's how, that's just how it works. Like that, that is the inner logic of a musical and the, the reality of a musical is not necessarily like the science of it. Like, why is everyone hearing the same song? Like, no, that's not important. The reality of a musical is in the emotional truth of how it feels when everyone gets rallied together behind the same purpose and cause. Like, that's how it feels. Like, it doesn't actually look like that in real life, but it's the emotional reality that is what is operating in a musical so for me I was like I really enjoy this like it doesn't really make sense scientifically (laughs) but I thought it was like in terms of like all the Star Trek silly episodes you know from the ones we've seen like in Deep Space Nine and other ones like I I would watch this one over and over more than I would watch some of the other silly ones like I'm like this is way fun so yeah mm. i guess i can see and the th- replay value like it does i mean let's see the what other what, what other one would you be like i would buy the soundtrack like usually it's you got <laughs> one you got you know the theme song but there's actual uh yeah motivation although it sounds like like you said greg it, it, whether or not you were actually into the songs themselves um, what, what did you think of the songs themselves judy I mean, I think that some of the songwriting itself was a little clunky, but I think the that like um, Uhura's song at the the two songs that she kind of leads at the end, her solo and then her big number, mm-hmm. and then Laan's song in her room. I was like, these are great songs. I'm enjoying them, and they they're the best two singers, I think. So I would thought it was interesting in the rewatch seeing how. They had to write the songs in a way that could fit the type of singers they had. You know, it's not a musical that they cast saying we want to find certain voices and certain ranges. So like Rebecca Romaine, her voice is a kind of more classical, um, like stage musical voice. Mm, She's got a little higher range and it's, yeah, just a little bit more like that. And so they gave her songs that were a little more classical not like classical but like classic sounding mm-hmm. um but uh the i can't even remember the names but the actresses who play laura laan and uhura right, right. they definitely have st- really good range strong voices and they wrote them songs that showed that off and were a little more like contemporary musical sounding a little more poppy hollywood so mm-hmm. um 
And I think, yeah, I think the guy who played Spock, like he has a good voice, but I think it was like a little unpracticed. So they gave him stuff where it's like, he yeah. could sing right here and sound really good, but we're not going to like go all over. And even um, with Nurse Chapel, like her voice, she had a very nice singing voice, but it is a little bit less range. And she's got a little bit of that a little more throatiness to yeah, like her kind of the voice as well. Thing. Yeah, yeah. So I think they're like, okay, she can sing. If we give her this, she'll sound great. Like, you, you and I, what, I was, I thought she, that was true. Yeah. But it. just with, with nurse chapel, she, her, um, her number I thought was the best in right. the, the, with the dancing and everything, because I think she's, she's very good at uh, emoting and mm. putting that all together and uh, making you like, feel really like in the moment mm -hmm. with her with her uh her number there which i think that she did very very well at better than i think the most of the other numbers <laughs> i i mean i i'm sorry judy i got i have to disagree with uh laon's um number and maybe it's because i haven't seen that episode but her mm. voice is fantastic Right, but right. I, I thought, you know, you gotta give every actor their song, you know, or at least a a big part of a song. And like, I would say that that this was the problem too with giving uh, Ethan Peck his uh, uh, his number the I'm the X, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, I don't think it was a good song for his voice. Huh. And well, I think maybe he also needed some accompaniment. Like, they had kind of established... Again, I, I kind of need to give up on the hope that science is going to explain any of this, or that this is like a... You know, the, the whole Star Trek, like, there's a scientific reason that this is happening. No, that just needs to go away. Um, but they had kind of established this, like, rhythm where it was these songs kind of pop up in these times of emotional, like, whatever. So they're kind of, like, random, so to speak. Um, but I felt like Spock and Uhura's song were like back to back. And it was like, why is Uhura having this emotional whatever moment? They didn't give us, like, she just kind of ignored, like, oh, sorry, Spock. Well, now I got my own thing. And like that, and not only that, but again, her song overshadowed poor Spock's song. Um, but I also thought too, like, that's somewhat of the challenge is that, you know, Ethan Peck is doing his Spock voice. And it's really hard to sing in that spot because he has a higher singing mm, voice, it seems. That's seemed. a good point. So they kind of gave him a little bit where he's like, da-da-da-da, or something like that, so he could kind of get into the Spock range. But you're right. I, I, yeah, that one. And I remember even the first time I was watching it, I felt like the choreography they gave him was pretty, like, okay, I want you to stand over here. Now I want you to walk over here. Now I want you to walk over here. Okay, now you're done. And it was like, <laughs> that felt a little like, I mean, okay, maybe Spocky, but kind of like, eh, like undynamic. Right. Um, don't get me wrong, floating around in the middle of the room. Okay, now that, yeah, was a, <laughs> again, explaining it, understanding it. I'm going to kind of set that aside. Um, but the one thing that I did that, that I, I really enjoyed the orchestration. Uh, and I found like the orchestration overall for what I call new Trek has been really impressive. I agree. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> then what, what, one thing I did want to talk about that, again, other than just uh, whether we liked or did not like uh, this particular episode, um, the, the, 
some of the themes that were coming out, and, and I think the challenge was this wasn't introducing any new themes or concepts. This was them wrestling with the stuff they'd already been wrestling with. Um, I mean, I guess there was a little bit of, like, uh, uh, Lieutenant Kirk trying to figure out how to connect with his crew, that whole song and dance thing. But I felt like that was a very, very, very side thing. Like, I didn't think that was something that they were really wrestling with. Why that was an emotional moment that needed singing, I don't know. But I think it was kind of an excuse, you know, to have the uh, kind of the classical song and dance number, I guess, where they got to do the waltz or, or whatever. But along those lines, and Judy, you mentioned about um, there was the one line that I think number one said about in mu the, the logic of musicals is you sing when words are no longer enough, uh, which I've always loved as an explanation of not only musicals, but just music in general. Uh, however, I don't know that that's always true. Uh, like I was thinking about like for, for the three of us as, as, as church folk. Uh, singing, for some reason or another, has become a very large part of the the church experience. Uh, having a church service where there's no singing uh, is is not really done, at least in in the uh, you know uh, American uh, church uh, culture. And so I, I wonder, yeah, like uh, Judy, especially for you, like with studying music and stuff like that, uh, like what. Why is music such a big deal, I guess? Like, is it just this is a way we can express things that words can't express? Or what, yeah, why, why is it such a central part of, of who we are, maybe? So some of it, I mean, that is definitely true that in musicals, people sing at emotional highs or, you know, emotional lows. But again, that's not the only reason why people are singing, because if you actually watch a musical and there's different types of musicals as well. So that's not the only thing that's happening. Right. Like, you know, usually the first musical number in a movie isn't necessarily like an emotional high or low. It's just like, hey, everybody, here's who we are. But I think kind of like I was saying before, like the the logic of a musical is that in music, that is where you will find the real and the truth of the story and the characters. And so um, it's not necessarily all um, like the most emotional points, but it's where truth is revealed. So that's why you have a lot of musicals that start mm -hmm. out with a song that's like, hey, everybody, here's everyone who lives in Anatevka. I'm the baker, I'm the rabbi, <laughs> and everyone's just kind of <laughs> stating their roles. <laughs> and it's like, Okay, thank you for that information. But it's kind of like music is the medium through which truth is conveyed. So whether that's just story-wise, but also emotional truth. And so I think um, in this, they tried to stick mostly with like the emotional part of it, but there's definitely other ways in like more traditional musicals that can happen. And then even also part of it is the um like what the what the story is dictating so that's why a lot of musicals are about people putting on a musical or people like putting on a show because then it's easy to be like well we're singing because that's our job but then a, a lot of times the song even though it's not necessarily like this is the song that i am singing for emotional reasons right now but there will be emotional undertone like the, the song will emotionally relate to what the character is experiencing off the stage in the show so um like i think of like 
in White Christmas where um, Rosemary Clooney, like, you know, is all mad. So she like leaves the show. She goes just she goes to put on her own solo act. And then the song you see her singing is like all about how, you know, she's getting dumped on and she can't like find a man. And it's like, okay, like that's not like that's not the song she's singing necessarily because she's just singing like her truth to us. She's still doing a show, but it's kind of like the emotional truth is always going to come through, through the music. I guess I wonder then how does that translate to, to like us in our normal lives? Because obviously, well, I'm assuming for the three of us, at least we generally don't break out into song at most parts in our lives, at least not ones that uh, original compositions. Like we might break out into (laughs) songs that we already have heard somewhere, but like, how does music, well, maybe even along those lines, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that in times of emotional stress, I think about songs that I have heard. Um, I do find comfort in songs. And sometimes I know like, like I've definitely been, you know, in times of like, uh, uh, like after going out through a breakup or something like that, then I, you know, you have the breakup playlist and you're like, all right, I got to listen to like kiss from a rose. And I got to listen to, uh, Oh, what's that? Every rose has its thorn. And I got to listen to all these like heart wrenching ballads. Cause some about that like soothes me. It's somehow connecting. I don't want to listen to like, you know, I don't know, some upbeat, like, uh, you know, everybody dance or something like that. Like that just doesn't fit the mood that I'm in. So I don't know. Does, does pre-existing music serve more as comfort than of, uh, explaining our situation or revealing our situation? It, I think that, you know, I, I should preface this by saying that I sing a lot. Like I think <laughs> songs yes, I believe. that, yeah, I'm sure you guys do, but I think, I think a lot, I think songs that, that, you know, I've heard from other people, you know, uh, uh, all kinds of music and musicals. And I just like randomly make up silly songs for my kids. Um, I sing about what I'm doing sometimes. <laughs> I, I I sing a lot. Now I don't have like a great voice or anything, so I don't do it in public very often. But it is, it does, it, it does help me process my emotions or like get down to what I'm feeling right now. Um, I, I think that music somehow connects deeper to our emotions than than just about anything else. I think there's something about the beat and the musical the the like tonality of the music that that resonates with our with our emotions. Music is something that you find, you know, I think in just about every culture. Right. right and right. in every place because there it it connects to us and i i think when you see things like that you have to you have to think about like why do we see that why is it that music connects to us so much and i mean we're we are all as you like to say we're all christ followers here and it's i I think that there's something god-given in music that it's we need something that connects us to each other and to our hearts, and can be lifted up in prayer to God, too. And I think music mm. does that for us. That, that's something that God has has put into us that we're able to connect with. 
I think that's a that's a really beautiful yeah. thing about music. Yeah, and I, and I know, like I've heard, actually, I just heard something recently. They were kind of lamenting the fact that for most churches, uh, they sing songs written by four big churches, like there's right. Hillsong, Bethel, uh, Maverick City, and uh, Passion. Like those four churches have written the majority of songs that all other churches are singing. And, and, and they were kind of lamenting the fact that it's just like, but those are the experiences of those communities. Like, yeah, what about was... the experiences of our own community? With the challenge being, like, I don't, for one reason or another, I don't know that uh, we, do we not all possess, possess the ability to express, like, things in music? Or is it that we've created such a high bar for what it is to write music and what it is to write lyrics and that it needs to be this professional compilation that expressing ourselves through original music is not um yeah is not what we do i mean like even what you were just talking about greg i <laughs> right before you said that i was thinking about how like our kids will sometimes eh, uh, i guess our daughter's a little more musical than our son sometimes but just be like i'm putting this away and i'm putting this over here and now i'm putting on a dress and now i like it's just like a song that's going on and most adults, most adults, don't do that as much. But I'm picturing you, Greg, and I'm chopping up the figs, and now I'm cutting it down. And maybe that's how you're <laughs> doing it. I don't know. But for, no, I that's don't, pretty close. There you go. I don't know why we lose that at some point. Or if, or if, and that's maybe a detriment. I don't know if that's what uh, expressing ourselves through singing looks like. <laughs> I think that's, I think you're right. What you said, the, the second part is that we've, we've put such a high bar and I think it was, um, yeah, Mike Erie was talking, and he's so, like, community-focused for his church. Mm. He was saying that they do a lot of their writing for worship songs in-house, and that's great. I think that he's right in that it, it by doing that, you reflect the experiences and the heart of that community in that time. And that is so important because that's what, ideally, worship should be about, is expressing that that prayer towards towards God from the the community of the people singing it. Uh, I think in our daily life, and you know, maybe people more holy than me are praying constantly, like the <laughs> Apostle Paul says. But I, you know, when when I'm thinking about, I sang a song the other day while I was changing my daughter, and my son was, you know, helping me behind me and. I was singing a song about how the baby's actually a avocado and that, you know, <laughs> like you do. And you, you talk about how wonderful this little avocado is. And then at the end, it turns out she's just an avocado and she's not actually a baby. And we've just been diapering an avocado the whole time and we have to put it back in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, so just like silly songs like that, I think they it goes back to that resonance that that connects us as a family because we're we're singing about stuff we're doing stuff we see silly things that we think about you know and that's i think that's a really um really wonderful thing because i mean i'm not a professional if you heard me sing you would know that i'm not a professional and but i think so many people are afraid to sing and to sing with their hearts and to sing just with whatever, whatever comes out. But really that is, I don't know, is it too far to say that's like the language of our hearts, you know? Interesting. And that's, yeah. that's a wonderful thing. That is too far, Judy? No, I was just saying, I think that's <laughs> totally true. 
Um, I remember a couple of years ago, I was kind of working with some uh, high schoolers who were, um, they were going to be the worship leaders of the high school ministry. So I was, we were kind of just doing like a little workshop with them to, um, yeah, about worship. And that was one of the things we talked about is like, why are we supposed to sing at church? Like, why is there so much singing? <laughs> like, and it was because like, well, one, like it says to, you know, lift your voice and sing. It says to, you know, sing songs and play instruments like that's in the Bible. But I think the reason why that's in there is because there is the soul connection. Like music is something that is goes past our brain to our soul, like for whatever reason. And so sometimes it doesn't have to be the words. It's just the music itself is yeah. like a good conduit for spiritual things to happen and spiritual connection. So I think it makes total sense. And I do think for like the idea of like churches doing their own worship songs, I think some of the issue is just the um, assumed professionalism that a lot of right. things at church have these days where it's like the pastor is a professional, like everyone who's on staff is professional. And if you're, you know, yeah, like those are the people who can do the thing. And if they're not going to write a song for us, then no one's going to do it. Whereas if we had a little less professionalism in the sense of like, Hey, if we were just a community of people and it'd be like, you know, what? I've just been meditating on this phrase. And then we just start kind of like repeating it and singing it and just making that a song. Like that would be a very different experience, but it might have right. a really profound um, impact for those who were in that situation and in that community. But, and I was also thinking because I was laughing because literally, I think it was yesterday, I was in the car with both of our kids and my daughter was doing that thing where she just started singing like random noises and like sounds. So then I started singing it back to her. And so we were just going back and forth for like 10 minutes and I wasn't even really conscious of it, but we were just going and going, blah, 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 blah. And then I would sing back, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, it was going back and forth. And then at a certain point, my son was like, can you guys stop? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like us. I was like, oh yeah, sorry. Right. Which I guess in, in some ways is also the challenge is that singing, like, so one could say you were not, he was not in tune with what you guys were doing. You know, it wasn't in his language per se, uh, both li literally and figuratively. Uh, and that's that's a challenge, too, that I think like, yeah, music can be very personal, um, which would. And, and that's the other part, too, that is interesting about a, um, a pre-written song or something like that. And I don't know if this is something that we've adopted just because this is our culture. And so we've just gotten used to it. But like uh, especially pre-church, before I started attending church, I was always uh, one of my favorite human activities is in the seventh inning of a baseball game, everybody, 50,000 people will stand up and sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Who knows why we do it anymore? I don't know. Like, they never say, you, but it's just everybody knows this is what you do. And there is, outside of maybe Happy Birthday and, uh, uh, like, church stuff, there is nothing like that in our American culture where everybody gets up and sings this song that everyone knows the words to. Right. Like, and there is something unifying about that, which I guess is the point of the final number uh, in the show, right? Is that the, the we need to all be unified together, which, again, I don't know what they're just excited that they're the Starship Enterprise. What's this emotional moment? 
I don't know. And especially the Uhura, you have saved us or something like that. I'm like, that's a little far. I mean, I guess you're leading the song, but anyway. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah, <laughs> it was moment. the one. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Pike's line about the uh, the Starship Enterprise feels electrified. I was like, oh, that was a little <laughs> that was a little cringy for me. But again, at this point, if you're not into this episode, what are you doing still watching it? Right. Um, because you're doing a podcast on it the next day that's why that's why uh so one more that i wanted to touch on before we go because um i i the one kind of like emotional plot piece or or like uh um uh i don't know something that that shifted i think in this episode was uh like laon actually talking to lieutenant kirk and actually saying like listen this is what uh i'm going through and stuff like that uh, and she says the line that, that kind of struck me about like, well, and I got, yeah, she had said this in previous episodes too, but about, I felt like he being the alternate, uh, Lieutenant Kirk could see the real me. And for me, that really kind of, that resonated with me because I was kind of like, I feel like that's a big thing for me personally, where even though I tend to be a pretty expressive person and I try and be as like open and vulnerable with just about everybody as I can be, um, but I've kind of always felt something similar about, like, not everyone can see the real me, I guess. I don't know if that's intimacy or something where it's like, I feel like that's a rare thing that people can actually see the real me or the real you. Uh, do you guys feel that way or is that is that more... Is, is that a me? Is thing? this why Judy's on on the pod today so that yes. you can get all mushy with your wife? Yes. <laughs> no. Well, hopefully, although one would hope that that's that's a quality that one has in a spouse is that if your spouse can't see the real you, I feel like you're kind of in trouble already. I think the the concept of the real you that that's that's a difficult thing to say because I know for me, I I change a lot you know mm. uh, th- through the years i've changed a lot um and just like the people that i'm with i show different facets of my character you know that i i'm right. i'm different with different people i'm not a diff i'm not greg isn't different but certain facets of my character are highlighted or you know downplayed um and that's, I don't know, the real me. Is is there such a thing? Interesting. Is that I mean, isn't isn't all of me all the time the real me? Or maybe I just maybe that's how I how I am all the time. Yeah. Maybe well, the I... real me is full of is just like a cloudy nebula. Right. Well, I'm like, because my guess is like, that's the thing. And, and I don't know, maybe this is a deeper question that, that they'll explore later with Lon. I kind of don't think so, but maybe um, is that the, the Lon that we see that is, you know, like the security officer who is very kind of like rigid and very like, like whatever, that is still the real her. That's right. So it almost maybe real is the wrong word. Maybe it's the secret me, the one that, that nobody else, you know, sees or something like that. Because uh, that's been my thought, like with you, Greg, and I mentioned this uh, uh, when we got uh, together at your house the other day, is um, the Greg that we meet on the podcast 
is always talking about like I really like being by myself and I don't like hosting people and people don't like I don't like when people come over <laughs> to my house and they're bothering me. I love hosting people. You d- you don't say that on this podcast though. You talk about wanting to be like that like people like bothering your rhythm and like blah 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 blah. But the people that come over to your house are like this Greg? Like I've never met that <laughs> Greg before. And it, and it is interesting because it's like both of those again uh, would be real use like the just the different sides the the I don't know the introvert Greg versus the extrovert Greg or, or or whatever it is. So yeah, so I wonder if real is maybe the not the best descriptor. Well, I think for Laan when she's saying that, like the context when you go back to the other episode which Greg you didn't see, but some of it is that that version, that Kirk that she met was from a reality where there was no con. Right. So he, he he met her and he didn't have all this baggage about her having the last name of Noonien Singh. And so I think that was some of it is for her that she felt like when people met her, they had all this baggage and maybe assumptions about who she was based on her, like her family name. Mm -hmm. So I think some of it, it was not just like seeing the real or the full, all the Mm. facets of her, but just that she was allowed to just be, and then he would get to know her for herself instead of being like, Oh, this person has this going on and this going on, this going on, I assume. So I think that's kind of more similar to like when you grow up in a certain place or you have like someone knows you through like your parents or something, which is like my experience as a pastor's kid. Like I get that where it's like, (laughs) Oh, okay. Like we assume, you know, growing up in a small town, like, there's people that I know from like my childhood who in some ways they do really know an important part of me because they saw me as a child and growing up, but they kind of have the baggage of knowing like my whole family or like knowing my parents and that gets kind of like attached to me. And it's like, well, that's not all of me. Like there's other things that are just me or like, yeah, that that you're you're bringing that into your picture of me, but you know, someone who you're meeting just as a stranger has the benefit of being able to decide, like, or you know, just oh, I have to gather information about this person. I can't just assume things. So I think that some of the aspect of knowing people, like Greg, we've gotten to know you, you know, from being a total stranger to now, like you know, we've gotten to know you over the last few years, but it might be a different sense of feeling known for people who are like, oh, yes, we've known Greg and Terezia since before they got together and, you know, having kind of some preconceived notions. Hmm. Interesting. Like uh, the preconceived notions, those would be the barriers to getting to know the real you? I mean, I think they could be. I think it's, that I think in Laon's case, like the person that people are bringing into that conversation is someone that is like a terrorist, like a bad person. So I think for her, it's kind of like, okay, if you're seeing me, then you're either comparing me to that or you're assuming I'm going to be like that or you're looking for signs of that in me. So I think it's, I think it can be a sense of like, why can't I just tell you who I am? Like, why do, why do I have to like, you know, be not necessarily on trial, but like I have to 
you know, always be being compared to this picture that you already have in your head of me. So I think that can be something that happens when people know a little bit about you or they only know you in a certain context, like people who only know you from work versus at home or, you know, something like that, where it's like, yeah. okay, you, you, you're, you're taking that bit and you're just making that all of who I am or you're, you know, mm -hmm. making that your picture of me, but that's not the complete picture. You know, th there's a lot, a lot of people that you know that you show certain aspects of your character to. And then there's people that you go a little bit deeper with and have like, you know, in-depth conversations with. Like, like we've all had deeper conversations together. And, you know, you, you know, you know me a little bit deeper. That, I'm not sure that that, that's like, quote, my true self. And that the, what I show to, I don't know, one of the other parents that pick up is, um, is not like the real me or something. But that's just like the surface of me. And I, I kind of feel the same for the, the idea of these preconceived notions. Like that is, that is part of me. I mean, our history is all part of us. And even like that my great-grandfather was a terrorist, that's, that, that factors in to who I am and how, my, how people have reacted to me and how I've reacted to that. That that's an important important part of my character, and that that's all like real me, you know. I I I guess I'm having a hard time understanding where like the line is. Yeah. Well, I guess it could you be know? like the real you versus all of you, also, uh, or mm. even because like like oh, you're that's saying. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, like you're saying, Judy. I almost picture like uh, uh like a celebrity, or similarly, like it makes me think about. I had one student. Uh, who was one of, like, the brightest students that we had, and he was very, like, um, he was he was amazing with, like, trivia. Uh, so we actually had, like, uh, uh, Are You Smarter Than Abe was, like, one of these games that we would play where he would come <laughs> up with, like, these questions that no one could answer. And it was, like, and if anybody ever answered him, we'd be, like, dang! Like, they actually passed the test that nobody ever passed. Uh, and I remember as a – and so we celebrated. We're like, hey, this is a, a gift of yours. This is something. Let's celebrate that. And I remember his senior year when he graduated, he said, like, I'm so tired of always being the smart one. Like, why can't I be the funny one? Why can't I be – why do I always have to be, oh, like, you know Abe, he's the smart one. And he's like, why, why is that all of me? Like, why can't I be something else? Mm. Um and that struck me that it was like, you know, how, how do we do both? I think it's important that we celebrate these things that are a part of you. And, and we don't have to like, again, and I, yeah, again, that's Lon's problem is he, she's being prejudged. Oh, like, I don't trust you because of your last name and because of your ancestry. But can we celebrate that instead and not limit that, I guess. And I think, I you mean, know, we could obviously apply that to, you know, like, ethnicity and race and country of origin and jobs and like on and on and on there's so many things that i'm sure we do that with where we say oh you're a garbage collector well i kind of have an idea about you already or oh you're you know from uh uh you know i don't know pick your country well <laughs> like we were doing when you were talking about going to france and i'm like oh those french 
this is what I think about those French. And so, you know, I meet somebody from France, and I'm like, oh, you you hate Americans, don't you? I'm like, well, just because I'm from France, like, that's no, just fair. you. Yes, yes. Um, well, and but, I think. I, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, I think with Laan as well, like, I think with her, it's specifically that it seems like she has built up like a very defensive shell around herself because of mm. a lifetime of reactions that she's had to deal with. So I think the fact that she didn't need that defensive shell was a sense of like, oh, wow, like maybe I'm still not necessarily like a bubbly personality, mm. but this person I don't need that shell with. Like they're not carrying anything. Right. They're not going to come at me and be like, oh, that guy. Like it's she just didn't have to have a defensive shell. So I think that is a big part of it where I think like, Greg, like you're fairly like, yeah, I feel like in different scenarios, you're still you and you're showing different facets, but also you are not, I wouldn't say like a very, you're like, you're a pretty open guy, like an open, you approach the world with an openness, like to I people. I do my best. <laughs> yeah. And I think for me, like, I, I feel like I don't necessarily want to, like, I'm, I don't feel like I, I am fake in different scenarios, but I don't approach the world that openly. I'm pretty private and, you know, for whatever reasons, like I, I, I am very guarded about who I entrust, like, yeah. you know, some deeper things to. And so, yeah, in a sense, it's like, I don't feel like I'm putting a fake personality out there, but yeah, the idea of like the real me, like that's for privileged people. Like, right. So I, I kind of get what she, maybe why she would phrase it that way. You know, the, I, I think the point here is just like no person is one thing. And right. even right. even when we, when we have, like you're talking about being guarded and keeping, keeping like your heart, you know, close to your, close to your chest. That doesn't really make sense. <laughs> but like, in you know. Like keeping, uh, let's say, keeping your cards close to your chest. There you know that you keep your, um, you keep yourself for privileged people. And what what most of the world sees is like that outer shell of who you are, which is a lovely person, even that outer shell. You but you are not just that one person. And maybe mm. it's like with Jeff, you're able to be more than that you know to show all that that interior stuff and maybe is that like the real you the the stuff that you you don't share publicly but you give to the privileged few i mean yeah i think it's like yeah the the lack of defenses uh -huh. is a big part of it saying like okay like yeah this is just me like there's no interesting um, yeah, there's no protection, so. Well, all right, my friends. Um, that is uh, what we got to say about that at this point. Um, man, we are in episode 26, which means this is the finale of season two of Trekology. Uh, I don't know about you, Greg, or you, Judy, for that matter. I have no idea what season three holds or when season three will hold it. Um, I'm hoping there is an if. I feel like there's still more to talk about. I've got some more ideas 
Uh, yeah. I did like uh, kind of our format this season of being able to talk about specific episodes uh, and, and their topics and stuff like that, even though our viewership went dramatically down. So clearly the rest of y'all find this much less appealing. But nonetheless, uh, we'll figure out maybe there's a sweet spot where we can talk about uh, stuff that you all want to hear about and stuff that we want to actually talk about uh, at the same time. Uh, I was thinking that we might do a preview episode, uh, like looking back on the previous two seasons. So maybe you guys will have that to look forward to before we dive into season three. Um, maybe someday I'll start using Twitter again to let you guys know that there's an episode coming out. Uh, I know Judy uses Twitter and so uh, you, or excuse me, X. Uh, and so you definitely helped us promote the previous episode that you were on, which was uh, our first episode to go viral. So very exciting what is happening no it's not exciting what's happening in the twitterverse if you ask me but uh, <laughs> uh it's crashing and burning but uh so maybe who knows by the time by the time uh season three comes out maybe uh, there will be a whole new platform that everybody's using. find us on mastodon yes yes <laughs> is that the which one's the fa facebook one is that mastodon Thread? Thread? Oh, okay i don't know i don't know who's using any of these anymore but um, but anyway, uh, thank you guys for joining us. Judy, thank you for being with us. Greg, uh, I don't know if thanks are necessary. I mean, you're always here and, uh, we're doing this together. <laughs> so thank you for doing this together. I, I guess, uh, I mean, not, I guess, but, uh, <laughs> I don't know. You're not a guest star. Thanks, I, should, I guess. I should thank, thanks the guest star. Thank, thanks the guest star. Thank uh, you for having me. There you go. There you go. And as just a reminder, Judy, where can people find you on the interwebs? Um, I'm on Instagram at J Campbell Smith and I'm on Twitter at J underscore Campbell Smith. And my website is judycampbellsmith.com. And I have my book, AJ's neighborhood for sale there in English and Spanish. Excellent. Excellent. And, and we still, and we still, so is it cause it's still officially X, but you don't X things. You tweet things still, right? Look, no one is actually calling it X and Xing anything. <laughs> Everyone is still calling it the same, right? Except for the guy except who the guy can who change it. the name of things, right? So, right, the coolest guy on the planet. Didn't he used to be the coolest guy? Anyway, I was talking about this. Mm, but you don't think he ever was. We're not talking about Elon Musk anymore. Yeah. All right, then, my friends. Uh, we will um, come back and join you again for season three at some point in your lives or our lives or all of our lives. Uh, but for season two and for this episode, my friends, uh, we will say... Live long and prosper. Peace and long life.